apostolic movements and start, start and pioneer things. God has called me to preach to the church, to build up the body of the believers, to edify the believers, to bring exhortation to the body. And so this morning on Mission Sunday, I'd like to talk about mission unity. Mission unity. This isn't like mission impossible. Amen. But this is mission unity. And I believe one of the greatest missions that God has given leadership and even the body of the believers within itself is the mission of unity. To preserve the unity, to maintain the unity, to work towards having unity in the church. And in Ephesians 4, Paul writes this in one of his epistles to the church of Ephesus. And the word of God reads like this in verse 1. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you. He's talking to the church, the body of believers. I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Walk worthy, hallelujah. With all humility gentleness with patience somebody say patience with patience uh oh here we go showing tolerance for one another in love and right here key verse being diligent somebody say diligent being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace father in the name of Jesus I thank you for everything you're doing here at Victory Life. I thank you for what you're doing across our whole living word and Victory Life Fellowship, God. Lord, I pray a special prayer right now for, for the fellowship in Pakistan, God, that you cover them with your anointing, Father, that you empower them with your grace, God, and you just bring a hundredfold harvest into their churches, provide whatever they need in their churches, God. And I pray you continue to give my pastor and the leadership of Victory Life here wisdom, God, as we begin to branch out and launch out and spread across this nation for the gospel of Jesus, God. Lord, I thank you for everything you're doing, God, for taking me over seven years ago, Lord, as just a drug addict, and taking me out of that bondage, cleaning me up, saving me and equipping me and giving me purpose in this life, God. And I pray that same purpose is ignited in the hearts of the men and the women that are here this morning. I claim it and I pray it in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. You can give God some praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Mission unity. I like this picture because it's the heart and everybody has a peace to play in the puzzle. Amen? Amen? Everybody's got a piece to play in the puzzle. But I believe one of the greatest missions in our church, within the local body, within the local church, in our communities, one of the greatest missions, one of the hardest tasks for us as the church is to keep the unity within the church. Amen. You see, unity is one of God's tools to accomplish His work here on earth through man. It's having a unified church, having a body of believers who are unified together. And when I talk about unity, I'm not talking about unanimity. You know, when Steph Curry was chosen as MVP two years in a row, unanimously by all the judges, where everybody agrees on the same thing, they talk the same thing, everybody agrees on every single thing. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about unity. I'm not talking about where everyone agrees on everything and everyone's happy with every decision made. That's not unity. I'm not talking about union where people are just in a place together, where people are just bonded together. I can tie the tails of two cats together and I got union, but there ain't going to be no unity. Amen. You can tie them together and there's not going to be unity. There's going to be union. That's when you're bonded with someone. You're bonded. And I'm not even talking about uniformity, where everybody looks the same, they act the same, they talk the same, and it's like robotics, right? We're doing the robot in the church. Nobody can have their own opinion or their own hobby or their own interest. Everybody has to look the same and talk the same and act the same. That's not unity. I'm talking about unity. And unity is what God's desire, his heart, is for the churches in this day and age where everyone can live individually but still be unified under one purpose, under one heart, and have the same agreements on truth. That's unity. And God's intention is to bring us individually together in unity, but to keep our differences. 
for us to individually have differences, but be unified. To be unified as a body. To be, you know, Paul said it. He said there's many members. Some are feet. Some are toes. Some are knees. Some are arms. Some are eyes. But we're all in the same body. Though a body have many members, we're all in the same body. We have, we have differences about us. We have different characteristics, different personalities. But God is calling all this together and he's trying to unify us for one purpose. And that's to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. To spread the gospel in this world. To plant churches and drop in sinners in homes in every crime infested neighborhood for the lost and their families. To reach the next Zechariah, to reach the next Adam, to reach the next chief, to reach the next Elliot, to reach the next Pastor Raymond, to reach the lost and broken and hurting for the gospel. But God can only do it through a unified church. And saints, listen, we cannot afford to lose unity right now in our church. We cannot afford in the ministry to, to lose our unity. Saints, my, my pastor's pumping me up. The task is too big. The task is too great. God is casting vision. We're launching out. We're reaching souls. The ministry's growing. The church is growing. The prodigals are coming in. The task is too big to not have unity in this house. It's too big to not have unity. And not only that, the reputation of the church is on the line. The reputation of the ministry is on the line. I wouldn't dare want to come to a church that's divided, that's bickering, that's gossiping, that's slandering. We get that in the world. We get that at the bar. We get that at a club. We get that in the world in its ways. This is a church that should be unified. And that's what this atmosphere requires, an atmosphere of unity. And the reputation of victory life, the reputation of the true church that's in the Bible is on the line. The reputation's on the line. Are we going to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and do what God has called us to do? Are we going to bicker and fight and gossip and slander and spread the kingdom of Satan through our lives individually? God is calling a unified church. And not only that, saints, but the end is getting closer. The end is getting... Me and Pastor were walking in Walmart the other day and we come out and there was a big bus and it said, Jesus is Lord on the bus. And it's got a bunch of bumper stickers on it. And, and we met with the people. They come to our prayer breakfast. They loved it. They're great people. They gave us a cross that somebody can wheel around town as we evangelize and witness. But one of the bumper stickers say, the people who expect to give their life to the Lord at 11 o'clock usually die at 1030. I'm telling you, the end is getting near. The end is getting closer. And God is asking us as a church, as a body, to now unify as one. Get past the differences. Stop gossiping. Stop trying to take each other out. Stop letting the enemy use your mouth to do his work in this church. God is calling us to unity, to unify us, to unify us. You think of ducks flying in a V. You ever seen that? That head duck, right, 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 right. Amen. And they're flying in a V. Right? They're flying in a V. They understand unity. And not only that, they understand, they understand where they fit in in the V. You ain't hearing me. They understand where they fit in in the V. If that number two bird, right, wants to be the number one bird, you're going to have conflict and everything's going to be out of order. If the number five bird tries to get to where the number two bird is, everything is going to be out of order. There's order in the house of God. There's unity in the house of God. And this is what God requires of this church if we are going to make an impact in this last days. Wank, wank, wank. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I believe this is where I finished my, my, my sermon, the last opportunity the pastor gave me to preach behind this pulpit at my home church. And boy, am I proud to say this is my home church. Amen. You should be proud to say this is your home church. You should be proud to say Pastor Raymond's my pastor. When Pastor Raymond got done preaching a conference, I was like, man, I'm glad that's my pastor. I'm glad that's my preacher. I'm glad that's my spiritual father. I'm glad this is my church. I brag about my church. When I'm out in the streets, I tell people about my church. And that's how we do the work of the Lord. But last, last opportunity I had to preach, I preached on tearing up the church. 
And Jesus really gave us a lot of wisdom in the parable of the wheat and tares, didn't he? A lot of wisdom. And it's not necessarily calling out the hypocrites in the church. Because how many know we have a tendency to want to do that? So, oh, he's a hypocrite. Oh, he's not real. Oh, he's fake. But Jesus didn't give us that parable to give us an okay to call out hypocrites and to call out fake. He was giving us real, applicable wisdom for our lives how to deal with people that are differently than you. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, my bad. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting in verse 10 and 11. I'm going to go over a few scriptures that talk about unity. I'm going to try to get through this. And the word of God reads. Amen. Now I exhort you. And this is Paul again. Now he's talking to the church of Corinth. So we see he's talking to all these churches and he's speaking the same thing. He's speaking the same thing to all these churches. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but you be made complete in the same mind in the same judgment. Keep going. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. So Paul is admonishing this church as well, church of Ephesus, now the church of Corinth. And he's telling them, you got to have unity. The task is too big. The enemy is too cunning. The, the end is getting closer day by day. we got to have unity. And Jesus, even in the parable of the wheat and tares that I got to preach on last time, he even says you have to have a certain level of unity even with the tares that are planted in the church. But some of us get it twisted. Well, we're not supposed to feel sure. I ain't talking about the weeds. You see, Jesus never spoke about the weeds because you should have enough common sense that you shouldn't be hanging out with the weeds. But I'm talking about the tares. The men and women that are planted here in this church. Jesus says you even have to have a certain level of unity with them. Because I promise you, when you uproot the tares, wheat gets uprooted too. Amen. In Acts 2, here's another example. I mean, it just keeps going. Scripture after scripture, passage after passage, story after story. In Acts 2, we get the upper room experience. We know about the upper room experience, don't we? Where it says a wind from another world rushed into that upper room. And all the men in, the, in, the, in that room, they were speaking in unknown languages. They were speaking in tongues. And they were full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. But the Bible specifically tells us what? They were on one mind and one accord. If you want to see God move in this church, we got to get on one mind and one accord. You know why conferences are so powerful and God moves in such a radical way? Because everybody in that big old building is on one mind and one accord. And God radically moves across the hearts of the people. He casts vision. He convicts sin. He gets people to repent. People run into the altar. They wouldn't even consider going to the altar. Because we're all in one mind and one accord. And that way God is able to move like he wants to move. Amen. 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 Psalms 133. Verses 1 through 3. I'm not going to read it. Just write it down. Psalms 133. 1 through 3. The psalmist shows us the heart of God towards unity. How many know Psalms, they say, is the heart of God and Proverbs is the mind of God? If you don't want to get to know how your God thinks, how your God feels, go read Psalms, go read Proverbs. And in Psalms 133, the psalmist begins to explain how blessing it is to the Lord when the brothers are in unity. And how the blessing of the Lord resides there forever where the brothers are in unity. And I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed in this place. I want my church to be blessed. I want my brothers and sisters to be blessed. So we have to have unity. Amen. We're here. We're here. People are going to be flooding into our churches. People are coming broken. People are coming lost. are coming. Prodigals are coming. Hurting people are coming. Ex-drug addicts are coming. Alcoholics are coming. The homeless are coming. The gang babies are coming. The prostitutes are coming. And they need an atmosphere of healing and unity. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. But we have to be different than the world. Amen. Check this out in John 17. You can go there. John 17, verse 20 through 21. I know I'm running through scripture. John 17, 20 through 21. And the word of God reads, Amen. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. Check this out. And this is Jesus. This is what he's wanting. This is what he desires for the body of believers. This is Jesus, our Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, our Lord. This is his desire. This is what he's asking the Father for. 
please, he says, please, that they all may be as one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Wow. He says, God, please unify them. Let there be unity so the world will know that the gospel is true. The world will know that you sent me. The world will know that I am real. I am impacting lives. I am changing lives. And I, I went on to read, even, even the, the, the dictionary's definition of unity, it, it's, it's oneness. It's being one. And so we know the Bible goes on and on throughout the Bible, and it gives us the importance of unity in the body of believers, which is the church, right? And when I talk about unity, when I talk about unity, I'm not talking about groupings according to social measures, economic measures, cultural measures, or even by age. That's not unity. That's not unity. You don't, you don't get unity by taking a lot of people that like the same thing and putting them together. That's common interest. Yeah. Unity is when you take a lot of people that are completely different and you put them all in the same place and they got one heart, they got one purpose, and they got one mind. They got one vision. That's unity. That's unity. And, and Jesus is saying, that's how God gets the glory. That's how God gets the glory. Not by taking a bunch of uh, people that all wear suit and ties and all come from good social and economic backgrounds and put them in a church together and they all act the same and hang out together and do the same thing. That's not how God gets the glory. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what the Sadducees did. That's what the scribes and the essences, that's what they did. Unity is when we take a lot of people like this church right here and we unify with one purpose and one heart. And that's how God gets the glory. That's how God gets the glory. Okay, I promise you, you're way different than me and I'm way different than you. But we, if we get the same heart, the same purpose and we catch the vision of this church and ministry, there's going to be unity in this house. Amen? Saints, the world's already full of division. The world's full of division. Families, full of division. Workplaces, full of division. I even heard the Christian rapper Lecrae say, the most segregated time of the week is on Sunday morning. Think about that. The church should not be a place of segregation. The church should not be a place of division. There's plenty of that in the world. The world's full of it. The church is supposed to be a light shining in this world. The local church. And check this out. When the local church is in division, when it's in division, when there's dissension, when there's gossip and slander, and now, now what happens is that church is no longer a light to the community. Now it's a foul stench to the community. When there's no union, when there's no unity, when there's no unity. I was reading some examples online, and this one really, really hit me. And it's the Great Wall of China, right? And this Great Wall of China, you know, several, you know, you, some of you maybe have been there, right? You know, it's this big old long wall, it's real wide. Several centuries ago, ancient China, they wanted to secure its borders from the northern invaders, right? So they had a genius plan. You know what? If we want to keep them out, let's build a wall, right? Let's make it really big, really large, really wide. And so they go and they build this wall, right? And they built the Great Wall to protect the border. It was so thick, nobody could knock it down. It was so long that nobody could get around it. And it was so wide that even chariots could patrol on it day and night. And they had soldiers posted at different places on the wall, right? And so if they heard an attack at a distant location, they could easily go get to it. They had a high, given superior advantage over their enemies. And you think about that, that wall, and you're like, wow, we need to build a wall, right? A spiritual wall from the enemy, amen? And it's huge, it's big. But this, this, this really intrigued me right here when I read this. In the first hundred years of that wall, it was breached three times. In the first hundred years, it was breached three times. Do you want to know how they breached the wall? How they breached the defense? They bribed the gatekeeper. Huh? They bribed the gatekeeper. Do you know how the enemy breached and took over and won? By infiltration. Infiltration. Yeah. They did all this work. 
They had all this focus. They sacrificed all this time, all these resources, all this energy, all this work. They did all this stuff to build this wall, to do the task, to do the work. Many hours, many blood, sweat, and tears, but they didn't have unity so the enemy could slip in and win. There wasn't any unity. So the enemy found a way to infiltrate and win because there, wasn't, there was a lack of unity. Amen? Amen? And guess what? That's the same way the enemy tries to do the church. That's the same way the enemy tries to do the church. Someone who maybe hasn't caught the vision or, or caught the heart or really understand things, right? He, he, gets, in, he gets in their mind and, and gets in their heart and gets them to gossip and gets them to slander and gets them to do things like this to try and bring dissension and bring division. That's how the enemy sneaks in. That's how he sneaks in. And we're over here and we're doing all this work. We're sacrificing all this stuff. We're, we're, we're focused. We're doing all these things. And the enemy still finds a way in because there's a lack of unity. There's a lack of unity. Saints, God is calling us to divine fellowship with God, divine fellowship with God, and divine fellowship with each other. Divine fellowship with each other. And so the Bible tells us that us personally, not just the pastor, not just the preacher, not just the director, not just the leaders in the homes, not just the, the leadership in the church, we as the body of believers, Christians, we are to strive to protect it. We are to strive to push it and we are to strive to promote it. And if we don't do our part in promoting it and pushing it and protecting it, we give an opportunity for the enemy to sneak in. Saints, a strong united church, it's not only a testimony to the world of the reality of the love of God, but it's a threat to Satan. It's a threat to Satan. It's a threat to the devil. Amen? Saints, the devil's afraid of a unified church. Satan fears it, and he works night and day to try and hinder it. He works overtime, 24-7, seven days a week, to try and hinder a united church. Satan's motive is division. Satan's method is deception. Satan's mission is destruction. Let me say it again. Satan's motive for the church is division, to try and divide. His method is deception. You know the worst thing about deception? It's deceiving. The worst thing about deception is it's deceiving. And so when you're under the spell of Satan, when you're under that deception, you can't even realize you're being deceived. You think what you're thinking and what's going on is true, it's right. And that's why God has given us a multitude of counselors, for within that there is safety. There is safety. His motive is division, his method is deception, his mission is destruction. He gets scared when he thinks of a unified church. And so he plays with the art of deception to try and divide us because he wants to destroy us. You know, what, you know what Jesus said? He said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guess who else heard that when he said that? Satan. He heard that too and he knows that. So guess what he's going to try and do? He's going to try and infiltrate the church, deceive people to bring division because that's his method of destroying it. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. And we know the opening scripture, it calls us Christians to play our part to preserve the unity in our church. Do you believe this is your church? Do you believe this is your church? Then it's on you to preserve the unity in this church. The work of the enemy, I'm talking about to prevent the work of the enemy. I'm talking about gossip. You know when there's division, there's fights, there's quarrels, there's conflicts. There's gossip, there's slander of the spiritual leaders, slander, there's accusations thrown around, right? There's dissension, it ruins the reputation of the church, ruins the reputation of the ministry, ruins the, the reputation of the gospel, ruins the reputation of the gospel. And guess what? Let me, you know, I'm, let's, let's, uh, let's be transparent. It wears your pastors out. It wears your pastors out. We should be strategizing how to launch a church. We should be strategizing how to take the land for Jesus. We should be strategizing our next revival, our next crusade, how we're going to branch out in different nations and different states. Hallelujah. 
but it's our part. It's not the past. You don't need a meeting with a pastor because you hate somebody in the church. You need to forgive them. No? Oh, I don't like him, Pastor. I need a meeting at 1130. I got something against that dude, man. Come on now. Jesus said what? Hey, you, you forgive your brother 70 times, 7 times. And I never thought anybody could even get to that point. But my wife gets pretty close forgiving me that many times during the day. 70 times, 7 times. I think the arithmetic on that's what, 490 or something like that? That's a lot of times. But you don't need a meeting with the pastoral ship because you have an offense towards somebody in the church. You need to let go of an offense and forgive your brother. Forgive your sister. The Apostle Paul, he gave us direction. He gave it to every believer, not just the pastor. Pastor, when there's quarrels in the church, this is what you're to do to fix it. No, he gave the direction to the church, to the body of believers. When there's quarrels and there's conflicts and there's dissension, you need to work it out in your own life. You need to work it out in your heart. Amen? Wearing the pastors out. And check this. This is really sad right here. The Great Commission will get stalled in our church if we don't do our part to preserve the unity. We can't focus on preaching the gospel and making disciples because we're trying to fix all these conflicts. We're trying to stop all these quarrels. We're trying to, we're trying to preserve. We're, trying to, we're just doing this, doing that. It's our part. Somebody say it's my part. It's my part to preserve the unity. It ruins the, it's, it, it, it hinders the evangelistic efforts of our church when we don't play our part to preserve the unity. And when we work towards preserving the unity, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Amen? It's a bunch of different people with a bunch of different uh, hobbies and a bunch of different interests and a bunch of different personalities coming together for the vision, for the purpose, for the gospel. Pastor Jojo told me a long time, and he said, Zachariah, he said, the home's like a big blender. I said, what? Like a banana bread smoothie, or what are you talking about? It's a big blender. He said, you got a bunch of mama's boys, a bunch of felons, a bunch of gangbangers, a bunch of sissies, a bunch of loudmouths, a bunch of nerds, a bunch of weirdos. You got all these different things and you put them in the blender and you pour in the Holy Spirit and you press blend and out comes the glory of God. Hallelujah. Out comes the glory of God. Yeah, God puts you all together with them type of people. You have a hard time understanding them sometimes. But that's okay. We're called to be different, but we're called to be unified. Amen? I've actually had people look at me differently in the church because I like Christian rap. I've had people look at me differently, judge me differently, because I have a different interest than you do. But I'm sacrificing my life. I'm giving my life for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saying there's something deeper than our hobbies here, brother. There's something deeper than our interests. There's something deeper than our personalities. That's the glue that keeps all of us together. And it's God. It's the gospel. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that gets up in our relationships and brings us unified. It brings us together as the body of Christ. It's what brings us together. It's the glue that holds us together. Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody. So this mission, it's not mission impossible. Sometimes it seems that way. But it's mission unity. Amen? So let me give you a debriefing. Soldiers. How to complete this mission. Number one, you got to keep your own spiritual life alive. Huh? Ephesians 4.1, what does he say? Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. I ain't telling your preacher to walk the walk for you. I ain't telling your mama to walk the walk for you. I ain't telling your pastor to walk the walk for you. I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Keep your own spiritual life alive. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, when, when you start to disconnect from the true vine, 
When you start to get a, drift a little bit away from God the Father, when you start to step on a little bit from Jesus, your spiritual life declines. You start going backwards and drifting a little bit. How many of you know you get weird towards the church? You get weird towards the pastors. You get weird towards the body of the believers. How many know you just start to get a little weird? Uh -huh, amen. You just start to get a little weird. I remember when I drifted, when I backslided, and the pastor used to call me, I wouldn't answer that call. I'm telling you, I started feeling really weird. Uh -huh. Backslidden condition. I wasn't connected to God. So I sure didn't want to be connected to nobody in the church. You've got to keep your own spiritual life alive. Come on now. So sometimes when you're not where you need to be spiritually, you just get weird. Come on, man, let's go to prayer. Yeah, we got a prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. No, no, I don't think I'm going to prayer. He's trying to get me, man. He's trying to get me, right? <laughs> you don't want to receive no counsel. Now the same people that spoke into your life to get you to where you're at are the enemy. Huh? Come on, let's be real, man. You start getting a little weird when you start drifting a little bit. You start getting, okay, yeah. You start getting a little weird. Huh? You always tell in the home, somebody's on fire and they're hanging out with Zechariah and Elliot and Jake and they want to do whatever the leader wants. And they may be falling to sin. All of a sudden they distance themselves and the leader walks by, they walk the other way. and Hey man, come with me. Oh no, I'm, I'm okay. Start getting a little weird. Because that purpose, that mind, that heart, it, it shifted. There was a shift. There was a shift in it. Uh-huh. So now you start thinking crazy. Now the enemy starts showing you stuff, illuminating stuff, and you, oh, yeah, yeah. You start thinking weird. And stuff you never thought would cross your mind starts entering your mind. Come on now. Let's be real. Huh? But saints, unity is created through the gospel. Unity is created through the gospel. And a body, believe it or not, it can't do nothing without a head. No, nah, you ain't hearing me. A body can't do nothing without a head. Huh? Try to live this life without walking with Jesus. That's crazy. And not only that, you know God gives the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teachers to his gift to the church to bring unity through the gospel in the church. A body can't do nothing without a head. Amen? Number one, you got to keep your own spiritual life alive, man. You got to keep your own spiritual life alive. I remember that when I wanted to leave the ministry and I was I'm done with Pastor Raymond, I'm done with Victory Life. Man, I was so far gone spiritually, dude. I hadn't prayed probably in a month or a month and a half. And I started talking about, well, God gave me this wisdom and God gave me this plan. Yeah. yeah. So far in sin and compromise and who knows what I was doing. But God gave me a plan. God gave me wisdom. Come on, man. Come on, man. I was getting weird. Huh? Getting weird. I was disconnected. Right? The enemy wants to disconnect you, number one, from God. Number two, he wants to disconnect you from the body. Right? A lone soldier don't scare Satan. Lone ranger don't. You're not no threat. You're not no threat. All he's got to do is get you in a situation where you ain't got no accountability. Just do that a couple times to you. Huh? Yeah, you may pass the first one. But how about the, the 111th one? Huh? With no accountability out there, lone ranger by yourself. Come on now. I'm saying you get weird to the, towards the church. You get weird towards the pastor. Huh? You get weird towards your family, man. We're family here. Amen. I learned, I learned it was a hard lesson, but I learned there is more than just this church that unites me and Pastor Raymond. There is more than, than, than just this ministry that unites me, me and, and the disciples that I disciple. There's more. There's a spiritual connection. Though you have many teachers, but you have but one Father. Amen? There's, some, there's something deeper that connects us. That we're, we got roots together. Amen? So number one, you got to keep your own spiritual life alive. Keep your own spiritual life alive. Number two, in order to maintain unity in this house, in this church, and what we need, number two, 
You have to maintain godly attitudes in all. Somebody say all. all. In all your relationships. Ooh-ee. Yeah, you got to maintain godly, healthy attitudes in all your relationships. That's what the word tells. I'm just saying, hey, I'm just sharing the word. Amen. Ephesians 1 and 2. And we know I praise the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. Number two, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Come on now. So the Bible tells us to have humility towards one another, to be gentle with one another, and even show tolerance for one another. Amen. I'm telling you, there's certain things that you have to you have to work towards in each and every one of your relationships. Your relationship with your spouse, that's a task. Amen. Relationship with your kids, that's a task. Relationship with your friends, relationship with your family, relationship with your pastors, and even relationship, because we're Christian, with your enemies. You have to maintain healthy, godly attitudes in all these relationships. Amen? So if anything starts slipping in one of your relationships, maybe a brother you serve in the church with or a brother you serve in the ministry with, you start thinking some type of way towards him, guess what? That's how the enemy enters the church and begins to divide the church, begins to divide the ministry. Listen, Christianity is relational. Not only is it relational according to our relation with God, it's relational according to our relation with each other. Amen. And listen, if you don't have your vertical right, of course you can't get your horizontal right. But how many of you know that your horizontal, if it's wrong or twisted, it will affect your vertical as well. Amen. The Bible says don't even go to the altar if you got something against your brother. Okay. We got too many people running to the altar and they got hatred towards their brother in the church. Right. We got too many people raising their hands and they're offended and they think some type of way towards the sister in the ministry. Okay. Huh? You got to maintain good, godly attitudes in all your relationships. Amen? Yeah. The enemy's trying to creep in, saints. He's trying to creep in through our minds. He's trying to creep in through our lives. He's trying to have dissension happen in the church, division happen in the ministry. I remember a week ago, I met with the home because God told me to, and he told me to tell the home that a divided house cannot stand. God is bringing the growth, man. God is bringing the growth because then what you got, it's, it's, like, it's like the Edomites, Esau and, and Jacob, and, and, and you start raising these disciples, and the disciples you disciple, when you think some type of way towards somebody, they start to catch that mentality towards that person too. And now you got division in the church. Are you hearing me? Pull this thing up. It's time to get serious. When you, when you have hatred or anger or you think some type of way towards somebody and you're doing the work of the Lord and you begin to disciple, discipleship is caught just as much as it is taught. And so now the enemy's infiltrated your mind, right? And thus infiltrated the house of God. Are you hearing me? Now you're raising up a generation, two different, two different, two different tribes, two different groups. And now there's division in the church. You know, church splits, they always start over something stupid. We wanted to paint purple. We wanted to paint pink. My pastor tell them, paint it green and have service. <laughs> Amen. Just petty stuff, getting in fights over petty stuff. Man, we're in the business of saving souls, dude. Uh, we're in the business of, of, of preaching the gospel to people that are broken and hurting. We ain't got time to have petty arguments over little differences like that. Come on, man. But you got to have, you got to maintain good godly attitudes towards all the relationships in your life. Amen? Amen. And listen, there are certain things that I have to do in my relationship with my friend that I don't have to do in a relationship with my wife. And there are certain things you got to do in your relationship with your wife that you ain't got to do with a relationship with your friend. But you got to make sure you got all your I's dotted and all your T's crossed. And that's what the Bible tells us. Amen. You have to have good godly attitudes and do invest in every relationship you got. Amen. And believe it or not, or like it or not, 
Every person that God calls here and plants here, yes, you have to begin to work in a relationship with them. That's how unity is produced. Amen? Listen, saints, unity causes to have harmony. Harmony. Somebody say harmony. harmony. Not conformity. Sometimes we think that, that oh, we, now we have to conform. We've got to look the same, act the same, talk the same, do the same. That's not unity. Unity demands harmony. Amen? Amen? That means somebody like Zachariah can do ministry with somebody like Bobby. That, that demands a high level of harmony. High level of harmony. Amen? A high level of unity. But that's what unity is. It's harmony. Amen? But we see the Bible tells us that unity, it's cultivated and it's maintained right here in the Scripture by showing tolerance for one another. Showing tolerance. That's how unity is maintained. That's how it's preserved. Okay, well, he acts a little different. He's a little younger than me. He, he, you know, he acts strange. Okay, showing tolerance for one another. That's how unity is maintained. But only a life, this is it, only somebody connected to God can show tolerance for one another. You know what the old nature says? The old nature says, man, forget them. They act different than me. Man, they look weird. Man, they got weird interests. They got weird. The old nature says, man, cast them out. But a life connected to God says show tolerance for that person. Show tolerance for that person. You never know when the next Billy Graham's walking in the church. Huh? You never know when the next Denson Franklin's walking up in the church. You never know when Miss Miniature Joyce Meyer's walking up in the church. But sometimes because of our lack of tolerance for one another, we actually shoo away, we shun away the people of God that God was calling here to do a great work for the gospel. Because of our lack of tolerance. So what I don't act like you? So what I don't got the same hobbies as you? I'm devoted to the church and I'm devoted to God. Amen. And I love Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen? Harmony, having different culture, different background, anything conflicting, harmony. Amen? And the Bible, listen, anything you got in your relationship with any relationship in your life, the Bible has a solution to fix it. I promise you. You got hatred, Bible's got a solution. You got unforgiveness, Bible's got a solution. You got bitterness towards somebody, Bible's got a solution. That answer, that solution, isn't always what you want to hear, but it's there, I promise you. I'm telling you, God is really wanting us to get this thing. Christianity is relational. It's relational. And the enemy knows that, so what does he do? He tries to attack your relationships. He wants to attack your relationships. So number one, you got to keep your own spiritual life alive. Number two, you have to maintain good, godly attitudes in all. Somebody say all, all your relationships. So number three, this is my last one. Number three, you got to run with the vision of your church. You got to run with the vision of your church. Verse three, being diligent, because how many know it's hard work to preserve unity. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You know for this church, believe it or not, there's one vision. For the ministry, brother, there's one vision. The vision of the church, it's to reach, it's to teach, it's to mend, and it's to send. To reach the lost for Jesus. To teach them the ways to walk with the Lord. To mend the relationships in their life. To bring reconciliation to all the stuff going on in their life. And then to send them out to do something for the gospel. That's the heartbeat of this church. That's the vision of this church. But the problem is everybody wants to have their own vision. Everybody wants to have their own thing. Everybody wants to do their own little plan. And that is by vision which creates division. There's one vision. One vision. And believe it or not, that vision, brother, it comes from the heart of God. The ministry, there's one vision to know Jesus to make him known to a lost world, to plant victory homes, churches, and dropping centers in every crime-infested neighborhood for the lost and their families. That's the vision of the ministry. 
That's the vision of the ministry. That's the vision. Amen? That's the vision. Amos 3.3, it says this. Can two men walk together unless they agree? And he's talking about agreeing on very important truths. And I want to tell you right now, it's going to be hard to walk with us here if you have motives of your own vision. It's going to be hard. Amen? You know what comes to mind? You know what comes to mind when I think about that? Judas. Judas was there. Judas followed. Judas saw the miracles, and Judas probably taught some 14 lessons too. Huh? But as soon as Judas's will was crossed, he said, hey, guys, no, 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 don't waste this perfume on this lady. Don't waste this perfume on this lady. Why? Because he was the one holding the money bag. So in his heart and his motive, he was trying to come up. He was trying to get what he wanted and get it quick. And remember what Jesus said? He said, hey, leave her, leave them alone. Leave her alone. Let her pour the nard. Let her pour the perfume. Right then, what, what does it say? His will was crossed. His will, boom, his motive, boom. And you know, I think like the, the next chapter or two, that's when he goes to the, the religious people. Hey, I'm ready to rat him out. I'm ready to turn on him. Why? Boom. His will was cut. His will was crossed. God will always check your heart, brother. God will always check your heart. Listen, there, are, there have been times, there have been times in my life where the only thing that kept me going was the vision was the calling. That's the only thing that kept me going. To know that God called me and that God called me here, sometimes that was the only thing that kept me going. The vision, the calling. Knowing that I know that I know that I know that God called me here. Bowie. Listen, we're not here to compete. We're not here to compete. Brother, we're not here to compete. There's too much to do for Jesus for us to get stuck in all that mess. We're not here to compete. Okay, somebody sings good. Let's turn into a worship leader. Okay, somebody can preach. Well, let's test them. Let's try them. Let's put them through the process. And let's raise them up to effectively push the kingdom of God. There ain't no competition here. There ain't no competitiveness. We get stuck in all that, and then we're not even reaching souls for Jesus. We're just trying to be better than the next guy. Wasting our time, spinning our wheels. Amen? We're not here to compete. We're not here to further our own kingdom. We're not here to simply profit or come up. Unity is kept by acceptance and appreciation of another's gifts and callings. Amen? That's how unity is kept. You know what also comes to mind? I think of Abraham and I think of Lot. The Bible says God gave a vision to Abraham, right? God called Abraham. God gave a vision to Abraham. And the Bible says that, that Abraham obeyed that vision. He obeyed that calling just like Paul wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. And he got up. He left his family. He left his place. He left his culture. And he began to follow God wherever God was taking him. And the Bible says Lot went with him. But the vision was given to Abraham. And it says Lot went with him. But do you know what happened? Abraham was the man following the vision. Lot was following self. And so when the appropriate time came, you know what Lot did? He split. He couldn't run with the vision no more. And if you remember Abraham being a man of God, right, having a father's heart, he even said, Lot, you know, okay, we can split up, but, but stay close to me. I, and I'll let you choose what lot of land you want. And you know what Lot chose? Lot chose the biggest part of land, selfish, right next to Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's decision wasn't for his family, because how many know Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked place? Lot's decision wasn't for his friends. Lot's decision wasn't for Abraham. Lot's decision wasn't for his kids. Lot's decision wasn't for his cat. Lot's decision was for himself. Because you cannot follow the vision of God and still follow self. And so it created division. It created division. Amen? You want to know why I'm at where I am today? You want to know why? Do you really want to know why? Do 
you mean to just lay it all out? Because I followed the vision of my spiritual father that God gave him. That's where I'm at today. That's why God's launching me out. That's why I got a church. That's why I'm blessed. That is why, because I followed the vision of my father. And within that, God's given me my vision. Amen? Me and my, me and my, my beautiful wife, I always wanted to say that behind the pulpit. Me and my beautiful wife, we went, we went on a honeymoon, you know, two months ago. I think we're finally out of the honeymoon phase. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We went, on, we went on a honeymoon, right? And we went, to, uh, we went on a cruise. We went to three different spots. The first place we went was Jamaica. The second place was Cayman Islands. The third place was uh, Cozumel. Amen. So we're on the cruise ship. We're having a great time. It's awesome. You know, I refer that to everybody. You know, go on a cruise, but take Christian brothers and sisters with you because a lot of worldly people, blah, 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 whatever. And uh, so the first stop was Jamaica. And so we're on this, you know, luxury cruise. We're feeling good. Oh, this is awesome. We're having a good time. And they drop us out in Jamaica. And we're riding these four-wheelers through the jungles in Jamaica. And there's these broken-down houses, these ghettos, these half-dressed kids that are malnourished, and these kids with signs, please feed me, and... There's this, all this poverty and this brokenness and this pain and this hurt, right? And we get back on the ship and we feel bad. And we're like, man, like, like we're, 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 on a, we're on a cruise to go to spots for tourism. Like you think they wouldn't even, you know what I'm saying, take tourists to a spot like that. And we went to Cayman Islands and Cayman Islands was the exact opposite. Cayman Islands was thriving. They had all these businesses, and it's tax-free there and duty-free. So they just got business after business, and it's thriving, and there's life, and it's beautiful. And you can just tell everything's well taken care of, and everything's great. And we're like, man, this is like night and day. Why would they even put Jamaica on the list as one of these tourist spots compared to Cayman and Cozumel? And I was talking to a man on the beach, and he was telling me that, uh, 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 that, that Cayman Islands is controlled, right? It's under the authority let me say that. It's under the authority because people get weird. You, you talk about control. It was under the authority, right, of, of uh, the U United Kingdom, the UK. Okay? And then I come to find out that Jamaica, 50 years ago, they rioted and they fighted and they did all this to try and get their freedom and break out from under authority, to get away from the authority. And I'm sitting here in Cayman Islands and I'm like, man, this place is beautiful. This place is thriving. There is life in this place. And it's because the Cayman Islands stayed under their authority. Jamaica split up 50 years ago because they wanted their freedom. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to live for self. They wanted to nobody tell them what to do. They didn't want to stay under their authority. And now it's poverty there. But sometimes that's how we are in our walk with God. We have such, a, such an adamant attitude of staying under authority that we're willing to be like the prodigal out eating with the pigs rather than be in the father's house. Huh? I was reading that. God led me to that. I'm almost done. God, God led me to that passage yesterday. I almost preached on it. You know, but I, I feel like God really wanted me to preach on unity because where God's trying to take our church and use our church for, you know, we have to be unified in order to accomplish the task. But I was reading it. And you know, it, it, it's just really crazy that when the prodigal came back, the father was still there. The father was still there. Could you imagine? Check this out. Could you imagine if the father wasn't there? And all the prodigal came home to was the older brother. Huh? Imagine if that prodigal would have come home to the older brother. And the older brother never caught the heart of the father. He didn't have the heart. Amen? So it's that father's heart. It's the father in the house that all the prodigals can always come back. And you, you know what I'm talking about. So you, you, you know, some of you here, you felt like an older brother before. You said, man, I don't understand this. I don't get this. This dude went and did this and did that. And, and, he, and he, he, he betrayed and he did this and, he, and the, father, the father still forgives. And the father still reconciles. And the father still pours into and the father still invests. I'm saying we got to catch our father's heart around here. We got to catch the pastor's heart of the ministry. Get outside of self. 
The prodigals are coming and we got to have a heart of unity in order for them to come here and get restored and be raised up and be used for God's kingdom. Amen. It's the father's heart. The father's heart. And guess what? That heart, it comes from God. That's God's heart. One time I got real twisted. I got real twisted. I got real twisted thinking towards, you know, da 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 this, da da that. I got real twisted in my thinking, in my heart. You know what God told me when I prayed? You know what God told me? He said, how many times did you run away from me? And I was faithful to restore you every time. I'm telling you, like I preached last week, anytime I ever got twisted towards somebody, God always put a mirror in front of my face. And it humbled me real quick. It humbled me real quick. Who are we? Who are we? Amen. And I messed up so much, had so many failures. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Father's heart. <laughs> but who are we really? Watch Tim, you can come up. Who are we? I'm telling you, there, there, is a, there, there is another level right now. There's another level right now. We hit another level. We, hit, we, we got past the plateau. Are you hearing me? We, we, we're somewhere right now, and we have to have the proper attitude towards these people. They're going to be coming into our body. They're going to be coming into our church. It has to be an atmosphere of love. It has to be an atmosphere of unity. You know, I went and I preached on wheat and tares. Pastor turned around, and he preached on kindness leads to repentance. Amen? Kindness leads to repentance. God's kindness led to your repentance. And now I'm turning around. I'm preaching on unity, unifying the body together. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Verse 18. And the word of God reads. As you sent me into the world, this is Jesus speaking, you know, we over and over this. I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of Jesus. This is the heartbeat of our ministry. This is the heartbeat of our church. This is our heart. This should be your heart. That we all be as one that we all be as one even as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me keep going the glory somebody say glory, glory. and this is what we need to step into the glory but we got to be unified we got to be unified there's got to be unity step into the glory the glory which you have given me I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. Last verse, 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. God still has some tweaking he wants to do to our church. Amen? There's still some stuff that we got to work through. And the Bible says we're perfected, what? Through unity. I really believe that there is so much God wants to use our ministry for. There is so much God's wanting to do through, the, through, the, through your lives. Through your lives. God's wanting to work through your lives. But we have to be unified. And unity doesn't begin in examining everybody else. That's not where unity begins. You know where unity begins, brother? By examining self. Oh, if he acted different, we could have unity. No, maybe if you thought differently towards that person, we could have unity. Unity doesn't start by examining everybody else. It starts by examining self. 
And unity is not demanding other people to change to fit into your criteria. Unity is demanding that you accept people that have differences in you. And you know when unity really grows? You want to know when it really grows? Unity really grows when you forgive when you're wronged. Unity really grows when you forgive when you're wronged. Stand to your feet this morning. If you would bow your head with me. Say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, please forgive us for all of our sins. Forgive us for having any attitude that's not godly. Help us to be diligent to preserve the unity in our church. Help us to run with the vision given to our church. Anoint us to do the task that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open if you want to come.